been a good day so far. If you made it for Bible class this morning, we had several in, in the class I was in. We had a good discussion together, separated from one another. And, and there's some, some awkwardness about some things, but I, I hope it was something that you enjoyed. I just want to offer you one thought. You know, if you're here, you see me from a distance. The people that are watching online, they've got their screens right in front of them, and they've got to see me up close. So, you know, think how blessed you are to get to be here today. I'm glad that you're here. It is a great day, beautiful day, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that uh, Ice Storm came and went, that it went, not that it came. And if you're having troubles at your place, then I hope those will soon. Am I giving you guys troubles over there? It's not me? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Probably is, but they're just being nice. Anyway, always a little bit of technical difficulty. There we are. I sound better all the time, don't I? Wow, it's good. But it is a great day. I was just thinking, and, and you know, and I mentioned some time back that, that my prayers have transitioned. When this, when this virus stirs, first invaded and caused such a havoc in our, in our society, in our time, in the world in general, you know, I'd pray again and again, every day, multiple times, Lord, please, please, please take this away, please take this away. Now my prayer is, Lord, if you, I would like for you to take it away, if, but if not, help us to learn, and help us to learn what we need to learn, and help us to deal with things as we need to deal with them, and I, I hope that's a prayer that, that is a part of your life as well, something in, in connection with that. Let's talk about 1 John chapter 2, I mentioned this chapter in the previous couple of weeks, but I want us to talk about, about it this morning in this regard, that the world is not enough. You know what I mean when I get into this. The world is not enough. Look at the verses, verses 15, 16, and 17. 1 John chapter 2, do not love the world. Or the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. That is an amazing passage. That is a Bible theme passage. That is the picture from the beginning of time to the present. If you pardon the reference to the James Bond installment, and that was, I put that in there long before I knew that Sean Connery was going to pass away this week, but enough said about that. Pardon the reference to the James Bond installment, the fictional world of spies. Of course, he wasn't in that movie, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, spies of good and evil, when you look at it, what it comes out in even the movies or books and things of that nature is that there is no point of satisfaction. Whether we're talking about wealth and power, we're talking about control of the world or whatever we might be, there is no point of satisfaction that is found in those who, who press for having these things. And I know stories like that are fictional. But there are some very real characteristics to these fictional characters of human behavior that is involved. For example, some of you will remember 
Some of you will remember the Lay's potato chips commercials of several years ago. It was a catchy campaign, a lot of fun, and of course, it was done before we were made of the reasons, or made aware of the reasons why we really shouldn't be chewing down, chomping down on potato chips. We haven't learned that yet. Just go down that aisle, and everybody's crowded in that aisle buying one form of chip or another. Why we shouldn't be eating all those salty, fat-laden potato chips. Anyway, the commercials would have someone with a bag of chips, like uh, I, some of them I could have put up there, and there would always be that line in there with the latest potato chips, and you know exactly what it is, but you can't eat just one. Pretty catchy, pretty smart. I don't know who came up with that, but that was a catchy deal. But you know, while I'm thinking about that, something else runs through my mind, as you know where mine often goes to the music of a generation ago. Then, of course, I hear the sounds of the Rolling Stones singing, I can't get no satisfaction. See, some of you old people even knew that one. I can't get no satisfaction. Perhaps it is that insatiable nature that often finds its way into a lot of things, and love is no exception. I want you to know love is an insatiable desire. But that is at the heart of John's adaptation of Jesus' teaching, which Jesus so pointed out for us. For Jesus taught that we cannot properly serve two masters. Because if we try, we try to, we'll be less serving to one. He refers to it, hating one of them and be serving to the other. Matthew 6, 24. He also taught that in order to follow him, if we were going to be followers of his, Matthew 16 and 24, if we're going to be followers of him, we must surrender ourselves and our selfish desires and not fulfill ourselves with the world, but with him. Or we end up in loss. And kind of like I referenced, you know, I, I said that love is an insatiable desire. And as I, even as I was working on that and thinking about that this week and writing it down, I thought, you know, somebody may take exception to that, but I want you to think about it from this regard. Do you remember when you first fell in love? Remember when you first fell in love? Some of you old people, I know that's a long, 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 long time ago. Do you remember that feeling? You remember how you felt about that person? And how you couldn't stand the idea of being away from her or, or him? And how your thoughts were, were always on that person and how you were thinking about him and, and whether you were trying to eat or go to school or, or, or going to, to work or whatever it was, you, you'd lay in bed at night and you're thinking about the person. And all you could think about was that person because you were so much in love with that person that you couldn't wait to be with him or her. And when you were with that person, you never wanted to be anywhere else in the world. It was a fulfilling, comforting feeling. At the same time, it was a feeling that, that filled you with even more longing and more striving and to be continually filled. And there's never enough because, because the idea of satisfaction, even in love, the idea of satisfaction is a moment. And that satisfaction of a moment is only a channel to even greater desire. So John tells us. John tells us, do not love the world or the things in the world. 
Now that's a statement, isn't it? And in Bible school or in church service, we read that and say, okay, yeah, that's the way it is, you know. But do we practice it? Is it one that we get into our practice? Do we get it into our practice easily? Where and how do we draw those lines of love? How do we do that kind of thing? Think about the things that we say we love. Think about the way we look at the idea of love. And when he says, do not love the world or the things of the world, and somebody says, yeah, he's talking about the evil of the world. There's more to it than that. Think about this, though, because we love special people, don't we? We love our, our spouses, as I've already mentioned. We love our, our children part of the time. And we love our families, our related people. We love them. As long as they don't stay more than two or three days. Seriously, though, you understand what I'm saying. There are people, we love special people. We love events. I got a pretty good idea. There were a lot of people watching a lot of football games yesterday and loving every minute of it, except when they were losing We love the excitement, we love the fun of it, we love the challenge, we love the competition, we love events, we love sights and places, we love holidays, Thanksgiving is coming. It may be a little different this year, but we love things like that, and there's no doubt about it. I can look at you and I know, we love food. We love food, don't we? Yes, we do. Thank you, Devin. We love food. Peanut butter, for example. We love food. And and let me just add a really good cup of coffee. Okay, I'll leave that alone. But there are things we love. Where do we draw those lines of love? Tom T. Hall saying, I love little baby ducks, old pickup trucks, slow-moving trains, and rain. I love country streams, sleep without dreams. How do you know? Sleep without dreams, Sunday school in May. How about October? And hey, and I love you too. How do we draw those lines of love? In fact, we've drawn on the the mantras of it, haven't we? I mean, we, we hold it out. The banner over us is that we love. There are so many things we love. Who hasn't had John Lennon's song, All You Need Is Love, stirring in your brain? If you're of a different generation, different style of music, maybe that's not the one, but you know what I mean, don't you? All we need is love. And in the scriptures, aren't we commanded, aren't we commanded to love one another? Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you what? Love one another. This is a hard teaching. That's what I'm telling you. This is a challenging teaching. In fact, Paul identifies the emptiness of a life that is not expressed from a heart of love. We can sacrifice ourselves, give away all kinds of things, but if we don't have love, what does it say? It profits us nothing. 1 Corinthians 13. And yet John says, do not love the world or the things in the world. So we've got to be careful not to take things out of context because I think we do get caught in this love, hate, complex if the things of this world are a part of God's creation this world and the things in this world if the things that we see are a part of God's creation and we love God shouldn't we love the things that God has made There is a lot to appreciate about this world, isn't there? 
psalmist writes, David writes, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his artistry, his handiwork. There's something to love about that, isn't there? There are things in this world to love, aren't there? That's all I'm saying. There are things in this world. So this is not just something really simple. And I think we are people who like simple words and simple explanations. We like things that, are, that, that bring down the complex into simple things. More than those complex things where you've got all the if, ands, and buts that you tie into something. But this is not a message. This is not a message. John's message is not a message of detesting, of detesting the things that we need for life. In fact, Jesus himself, Matthew 6, brings it out in verse 32 and verse 33 in particular. That very idea. God knows, he says in verse 22, of the things of this world, the things that often cause us worry, God knows you have need, have need of these things. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We have need of these things. And isn't that a lot of what loving is really about? It's about understanding their place. Understanding the value within their place and what they are. So the message, the message is not of detesting the world. Oh, I hate the world. I don't even want to live here anymore. Well, the other day when people were trying to get around at the, and all the lights were out at the intersections, I was kind of detesting being there, but that's another story, isn't it? But... This is not about detesting this place. It's about understanding where this place belongs and what its value is. John's message is love the eternal. Love the thing that has real life. A temporary world or life. Put it in the balances. Try to figure it out. Think which side do you want to lean upon? A very temporary world or a life? For living for the temporary is a life of disappointment. Spend some time reading in that book of Ecclesiastes. You can get pretty depressed reading Ecclesiastes if you're not careful. Basically, Solomon comes in there and he says, look, the rich and the poor, they all die. So why get rich? Why worry about it? Comes down to the idea, well, maybe it's just good that we eat, drink, and be merry because we're going to die down there pretty soon just like everybody else. But that's not what he comes down to. But he does point out, if that's all you're living for, if that's all there is, you live here, you're gone, and it's over. Killed a mouse the other day. Actually killed two the other day. Well, I didn't do it. I set the traps. The traps did it. I just got rid of them. I won't tell you where they were because you'll be afraid to go into the kitchen and the church building anymore. Oh, I guess I told you where they were, didn't I? You know, those mice didn't live very long. Didn't have much purpose in life. Just find some food and eat, and they're gone. Sometimes that's what people think about life itself, don't they? Just here for a little while, just enjoy it, get done, and get it over with. Let's get out of this place, and we're done. Peggy Lee sang her song, Is That All There Is? Is that all there is to fire? Ultimately, is that all there is to love? Is that all there is to life? That's just it. Kind of a... 
Sad thought, isn't it? Kind of a scary thought. But Peter has a question. And we're going to like his question. As we think about what Peter's question is, Peter's question is, therefore, you can read it, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, since this world's going to end, what manner of persons ought you, you and me, what manner of persons ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Peter says, what kind of people we need to be, because we're looking at the temporary, and the temporary is going to go away. We need to think about the eternal. There it is. Where's our life going, and what is it to become? As I said earlier, satisfaction is just kind of that channel to dissatisfaction if we get hung up that way, but there is a, a direction that we can go. So what do we need to do? We need to learn. We need to learn. And what is John telling us? Listen to what he has to say. In these, in these brief verses here, John's reminding us, this book is so packed with, with lessons like this. As we look at the eternal nature of God, as we look at the love of God, as we look at our relationships with him and with one another, John gives us a message. Number one is you cannot love the world and God at the same level because of the unfulfilling nature of the world. One of the inadequacies of our language is, is we put love in one word. You know, the young couple wanting to get married, and she says she wants to marry him, he wants to marry her, because they love one another. I've told you before, what do I say? I love peanut butter too, but I'm not going to marry peanut butter. I don't know. My, my wife might have been happier if I had gone that direction, but you understand what I'm saying. We use the same word, but we mean very different things. We just throw love out there. We've got really basically two words, love and like, and they do, in our vocabulary, they don't mean the same thing. There are some languages that have multiple words for it, but still we fall short. But we see within the context there is a difference. There is a difference in what we're saying and what we mean and what it says. But John is telling us you can't love the world and God at the same level. The world is unfulfilling. But Jesus has already said, go back to Matthew 5 and verse 6. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, what will you be? Filled. There's a source that just keeps on filling. Two. We learn from John that the self-indulgent driving force behind the love of the world is not connected to God. You see, God may have made it, but we may love it for different reasons. We may not love it because it reflects God, because it testifies of God, because of God, who God is and what he has done. We may not recognize it for what it is, but we recognize it for what we feel like it does for us and makes us feel about ourselves. That's what John is talking about. So that self-indulgent driving force to have or to hold on to something like that is in no way connected to God. Number three, we need to remember and it ought to be pretty obvious the world is passing away. Things are changing all the time, aren't they? We can talk about climate change. We can talk about people change. Wow, it's impressive, isn't it? As we read along. 
picked up the newspaper this morning and I was going to count them, but then I got lost in counting them. I was reading a couple of the obituaries this morning. Fortunately, I didn't see my own because, uh, you know, I'm still here. I'm sorry, I'm still here for you. But uh, I started, and, and in the newspaper that spread of the obituaries in there, and that's not all the deaths. And I think, how many people? And what does it tell us? The world is passing. That's just the way it is. The world is passing. But that leads us to number four. For four is this. Life in God abides forever. I know we have a hard time seeing it. We're limited in our scope and our ability. We can't see beyond the veil very well. Paul talks about looking into a glass dimly, only seeing so much. I understand what he's saying. I think we look at life and death that way. We look beyond it. We may read about it. We may even sing about the other side. We may re- read about that mansion over the, or think, sing about that mansion over the hilltops, or we may think about life beyond. We talk about a resurrection. They've been talking about it for, for ages. I think about those women asking and talking to Jesus about their own brothers, and I know he'll rise again in the resurrection. We understand there that it is there but we don't understand it and John says it does not yet appear the very next chapter it does not yet appear what we shall be we're challenged by that but we can grasp the concept that life in God abides forever its very nature is unending so we need to learn we need to learn the message of John that's here we need to learn where our attachments belong. We need to learn about our love and what is, has the real value and the real attachment that gives value to us eternally. We need to learn those things, and that's exactly what John is getting across to us. And I think if we've learned anything in the past few months, we've surely learned that life in this world, as I said, is changing, and we cannot hold it back. There is only one eternal connection and that is found as John teaches us here. You see it, don't you? It's the basis of it all. It's the basis of whatever we hold on to. It's the basis of all value. It's found in loving God. It sounds like it would make a good teaching, doesn't it? For they asked Jesus and He even asked them to answer it. And the answer was the same. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. That's the greatest, the foremost, the center of all life. This morning we're going to sing a song of encouragement and invitation. Maybe there's someone who here even needs to respond this morning. We gladly assist you if you have a need this morning, whatever it might be this very day. We're prepared for whatever you might need, whether it's to be baptized into Christ or if you have some other need to make known. We want to assist you this very hour. All you need to do is come while we stand and while we sing together.